one, my next guest, we've got NFL Network host and reporter Tom Pelissero. Tom, is everything going? Training camp starting up. Wild time. It's a very unique time for sure in the NFL. Training camp's technically underway, but basically for veterans right now, that's just a line of guys entering a trailer outside the facility to get tested for COVID-19. A couple of weeks away, though, from something vaguely resembling football with uh, a lot of these guys. So we'll uh, we'll keep pushing forward to that moment. And then, uh, you know, hope against hope that ever, all the precautions put into place by the NFL and the PA is going to allow us to have a full football season. Do you, what percent chance do you think there is that they go to a bubble? I mean, that's not their plan as of now. I, you know, really what the NFL's emphasis has been all along has been on robust testing, tracing, uh, education, uh, just to try to get guys to do the things they need to both inside the facility and outside the facility uh, to be able to make this work. I mean, this is something that they addressed way back in the spring. They did not think that it was feasible to have, uh, you know, 5,000 plus people all go into one place. What kind of facility would that be? Where could you have enough places for everybody to be training? You know, I've seen some of the ideas of you have small bubbles in different places or even uh, you know, sequester the teams within one hotel for the course of the season. Still talking about six months. I mean, the NBA, MLB are doing this on a much more shrunk down timetable, plus they have far fewer people. You've already seen, you know, with baseball, of course, they're not doing a bubble. They're doing something more similar to what the NFL is doing. Uh, and they've had some issues with it. You know, this all comes back to the personal responsibility that everybody involved needs to take, uh, that it's you know, all it takes is one guy on your 80 or 90 man roster to, uh, make a decision that's not in his best interest or the best interest of the team and the league, uh, and that could lead to an outbreak or a series of infections that could uh, imperil games or perhaps even the season. It, it's going to take everybody to be able to get through this, uh, and that starts now. Yeah. Um, so with the announcement that Devin Funches has hopped out, opted out this season, how can the season go on with no Devin Funches? <laughs> Well, Devin, uh, you know, he didn't opt out last season, but I think he played one game after that broken call. Basically, basically, yeah. In in week one. You know, everybody's going to have different decisions to make, and you're going to have family implications. You're going to have financial implications. For some guys, uh, if they're on the fence about it, financially, it can make sense uh, for them to take it. If you happen to be a a high-risk guy who has asthma, thinking that $350,000 going away makes sense. If you're somebody with a, a very large, fully guaranteed, uh, base salary this season, and you think, based on your own information, that the NFL is not going to play a lot of games this season, it may make sense for you to take the voluntary opt-out. All those things come into play. We've seen guys like Nate Solder do it for family reasons. Uh, Dante Hightower announcing that he's opting out for family reasons. Yeah. Uh, these are real you know, considerations, but yeah. let's also not lose sight of the fact that we've had about, I think it's 27 guys to this point, have formally opted out. A few others uh, have announced or it's been reported they're opting out and those have not yet become official. But that's out of 3,000 guys yeah. in the league. I do think there's going to be more, yeah. especially because the NFL and NFLPA, as we talk, are still finalizing the side letter with all the rules. And there's some guys who want to see the full language before knowing uh, what decision they want to make here. You know, But it's not going to be half the league. It's not going to be a quarter of the league. It's going to be a good chunk of players. It's going to be names that you know. Um, and that's just the reality of the uh, the space that we're in right now. Do you think we've seen the most high-profile name to opt out yet, or do you think that's to come? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys in the league. I mean, yeah. I think it's, it speaks to the power of the NFL yeah. that you go, oh, Nate Solder, uh, yeah. Damian Williams, yeah. Dante Hightower. I mean, those guys aren't three of the top 50 highest-profile names in the league, but they're names you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big league. You know a lot of names in this league. So there's, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be uh, more of those guys. It's just a matter of who actually does it, because I've also talked to players who – 
give it a lot of consideration and decided ultimately it was in their best interest to play. Is there a date where players can still obviously opt out, but they won't get that set rate? Well, they, you can only opt out under the rules. Again, we haven't seen the full length. Yeah. But basically, once that deal is finalized uh, between the NFL and, this, and the NFLPA, a yeah. side letter to the collective bargaining agreement, basically modifying the CBA, of seven days from that point. Generally, those are considered irrevocable. There also are possibilities, and they're not, again, this is another thing that's not fully spelled out yet, but there are possibilities that if you have, for instance, a family change later in the season and you decide I need to opt out at this point, then potentially on a case-by-case basis, uh, that might be okay. But what does that look like? What's the stipend if you did do that down the line? Does the team have to grant it? Those are all questions. This is when we talk about, you know, the concept of the opt-out is all agreed to. We know what the numbers are, but then these individual situations that might pop up, how are those handled? Who has governance over those? Those are the things that are still being worked out. Do you anticipate any fans being in attendance this year? As of now, yeah. In some jurisdictions, I mean, this is all being – right now it's going down to location by location. It's not a league-wide policy. That's where you've seen different teams, uh, you know, announce either we're not going to have season tickets, but your season ticket holders have first priority, or, hey, we have a maximum of 18,000, 22,000, whatever it is. Uh, There's different different localities that have different rules. Different states are going to have different rules on mass gatherings. Uh, and there's different states that are in a different place in terms of uh, their response to COVID-19 and their current numbers. This is going to be an evolving thing. Yeah. I think that's one thing here. We're sitting here on July 30th. We're still five, six weeks yeah. away from week one. And then even beyond that, you still have, you know, September, October, November, December. Yeah. What's going to change here? Public health situation, the possibility of a vaccine. It's going to get better in some places. It's going to yeah. get worse in some places. Yeah. That's what we've seen. Uh, so consider everything that we're talking about. Yeah is fluid they want to continue to be adaptable to the data and the science which is frankly the only reasonable way to approach this definitely definitely so i'm in the dc area now and the dc team has obviously been in the news a lot recently did it come by surprise to you that they didn't have a backup name in place and they're going as the washington football team this year well i think they had some names that they've been considering ron rivera had said as much they had a couple of names that he liked you know, the issue that you run into, and I think this is what gets uh, kind of understated when everyone's saying, oh, yeah. why is there a Washington football team? And why wouldn't they have just been – why wasn't their na- old name scrubbed from every website yeah. immediately? Because there's a lot of different business things. You have to work through things with sponsors. You have all the uniform stuff, and their equipment staff has been working overtime just to get that part of it straight, to remove all the logos and get unlogoed gear, all the trademark things that you have to go through. This is a process. There's, there's never been an example – that I'm aware of in pro sports where you make a decision in July, the same month that you're reporting to camp months before the season and you're changing the name of the team. This usually is a multi-year type of a process. Uh, and that's kind of one of the, you know, the challenges that they have to deal with. I'm sure if, if they have names, if they were forced right now, Hey, you have to choose a new name. Yeah. They could do it. And they have some ideas, but being able to get all those other pieces in place, that's a lot more complicated than simply saying, we're going to pump the brakes for a second. We're going to, you know, go to our sponsors and our fans and our players and people in the building, people outside the building, and actually figure out what is the best brand for this uh, this franchise to take on. And I know you've probably heard a lot of potential names, but I thought of one that I haven't seen anywhere else. I want to run it by you to see what you think the possibility is that this could be the next name of the Washington football team. All right. Okay. The Washington Wolf Blitzers. One word or two? Two. And he's the mascot. He's the mascot, too. 
I mean, if Wolf Wolf seems to have a very busy schedule these days, I'm not I'm not sure he's uh, he's available. But it does. You you have this point. It does. It is catchy. Yeah, that's, between that, I like monuments. Red Wolves are getting a lot of a lot of um, traction, but we'll see how it goes. I think I personally, my personal belief, I think Snyder likes it this way because now you can't. Nobody can wear the the past name. You can't wear any of that merchandise. And the future name is not out yet. So he's getting two streams of revenue coming in for this kind of standstill year. And then next year, when the, or whenever the team name comes around, people are going to be buying more stuff because nobody's going to be wearing Divided, one. though. I've heard this point made before. Yeah. It is divided among the 32 teams. Anything that's not okay. technical local sales, I think unless okay. it's like your team store, yeah. everything else from a merchandising aspect is spread among all the different teams. Yeah. So, yes, he does get – you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's probably a, a little bump there, yeah. but it's actually a bump for everybody. Okay, that's interesting. And I have a question. You, I know I, I saw it floated around a little bit. There's definitely, definitely going to be a revenue shortfall this year. Do you think they're con- considering expanding the league? To more teams? Yeah. Not as, a, as far as I'm aware, but they have other expansions in, in play already, one yeah. being the expanded playoffs, yeah. which goes into effect this year. And then the expansion to a 17-game schedule, which yeah. uh, we believed would happen in 2022 or 23, but they could pull that lever at any time. Yeah. And the expectation is that would create an extra billion dollars out of thin air because you could sell an extra TV package on it uh, and potentially, you know, upgrade the existing TV packages, which also need to be redone. So there's different revenue streams. You don't need yeah. to add teams to do that. What they can do is all these other revenue streams between 17 games, expanded playoffs, gambling revenue, new TV deals. And the L.A. Stadium, which, if not this season, in future seasons, yeah. is going to, you would hope, yeah. bring in a lot of revenue for the league. Uh, all those things are going to allow the revenue to bounce back probably more quickly than a lot of people are projecting if, again, this everything's an if, yeah. but if the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is brought under control, if the NFL at minimum is able to get through this season, and then if 2021 is not impacted in any material way. Interesting. And then I have a question. In your opinion, who is it? What is a team that is being slept on that we're not going to be? We're not talking about right now, this year for this upcoming season. You know, it's funny because you asked me that, and like the amount of brain power I've put into thinking <laughs> about football is so minimal. I have to, I have to go through every team in my head. I mean, I'd say the Detroit Lions are interesting. Really? I, I think that they're interesting. If you look at their draft, they potentially found some value. They drafted some really talented players who may have slid a little bit. I'm thinking of Julian Aquora as an example off the top of my head, who they got a lot later than people, uh, a lot of people within the league thought that he might go. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford was playing at a really high level before he had the injury last year. Uh, and you would hope that in year three with Matt Patricia and playing that scheme, that they're going to get better. You know, they're in a tough division with uh, a veteran Vikings team all would be at one with a lot of changes. A uh, Packers team that was in the NFC title game, won 13-3 and a year ago. Uh, and a Bears team that you would think maybe not wasn't as, is not as good as they were two years ago, but probably not as bad as they were last year either. So somewhere in there, it's, it's going to be a very competitive division. But that's one team that, based on what they did in the offseason, jumps out as a team that has an opportunity to surprise some people. And I have a question. Um, has anybody talked about how trades are going to work this year, whether there's going to be like a kind of quarantine period for any players that are coming out to a new team? That's one of the things that uh, team officials are still waiting to kind of get full clarity on. It sounds like within the season, not now, because right now everybody's got to go through four days of, you know, testing and all that stuff. And then a couple of days of equipment and physicals. It sounds like as you get into the season, the hope would be 
two negative tests over a 20, 24 hours apart, and then you would be able to execute a trade or sign a, or sign a free agent off the street. Let's face it, these teams are going to have openings during the season. Yeah. They're going to need to sign players, but you can't have a six-day window. You lose a guy on Sunday, and he's not even ready to get back on the field the following Sunday. So it sounds like the hope is they're going to get to a place where basically you'd have two days, get the guy there, take a test, it's negative, take a second test 24 hours later, it's also negative, and then get them on the field. Interesting. And then with the the with the with the Oakley kind of like the base visor for the bottom half of your face. I know they say it's optional. Have you heard from players? What percentage of players do you think are definitely going to use it or they consider? We it? will we will know more on that after you know the veterans are just reporting. They get yeah. their physicals on Saturday okay. in most cases, and then their equipment fittings can be on Sunday. Yeah. So Sunday will be kind of a key day to at least try it on. But then they don't actually put on the helmets for practice even in like a, a jog-through setting for another week after that. So we're talking mid-August yeah. before you even start to get an idea. I would bet that most players are at least going to experiment with it. Yeah. You know, how many guys like J.J. Watt are going to try it on for a day and go, nope, I'm yeah. out. That, that could be a, a decent number. But I also would think that there would be a lot of guys who would go, you know what, this is a small added precaution. As long as I feel like I can breathe on the field. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give this a go. Interesting. And then I, the one, one of the last questions I had for you is I saw yesterday that Lamar Jackson was kind of clamoring for the team to bring in Antonio Brown. And you're, if, if, if you were betting, do you think there's a, does Antonio Brown lay it down this year in the NFL? It's difficult to say because we don't yet have a clear point of resolution on the personal conduct front. Yeah. Uh, the impression from teams I've spoken to is that he would not be available immediately. If the season started tomorrow, he would not be able to play because he'd probably go on the commissioner exemplist while they're continuing to sort out discipline. And then even when uh, that disciplinary process is sorted out, uh, it may take some time. Who, in your opinion, who's your favorite to win it all this year? I mean, <laughs> again, the limited brain power I've yeah. put into uh, – <laughs> Actually thinking about football. I mean, I would say this, and I'm not, you know, in the, the prediction game anymore. I, I, uh, I stay away from it. I, I don't know how you don't look at the Chiefs as, at minimum, among the favorites. Yeah. They bring back pretty much everyone. They have the best quarterback or certainly one of the best quarterbacks on the planet in Patrick Mahomes. They've got an extraordinarily talented roster. Uh, the, you know, more or less the same group. I mean, what, what – did they lose? It's almost Damian, everybody. Well, Damian Williams opted out. It's the only thing. I can that, that's one, but they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's a, a very versatile running back who Andy Reid's really excited about. Yeah, you're right. Damian Williams, he wanted the heroes of the Super Bowl run, 104 yards in that game, two touchdowns. I mean, he's he was a big player for him. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's it's the same receiving yeah. group. It's it's largely – they also had, of course, uh, the doctor opt out. You know, that's another oh, – I forgot about Tardif. Tardif was out. Like, the, I mean, the defense, the, your core pieces on defense are back. Your core pieces mostly on offense are back. They're, they're going to be a team we're going to be looking at as the favorite, I would think, over the next five years. I mean, if you don't win multiple Super Bowls with that group, you're, you're probably going to be disappointed. Definitely, definitely. And then how do you – oh, how do you see Tampa's season playing out? Because I think there's a lot of hype, but we'll see. Well, I think this is – it's going to be really fascinating because I'm reminded of 2008 when – you know, Brett Favre goes to the Jets. Yeah. Now, Favre had a, an injury that season that he played through. It was not the most talented Jets team. They had some other challenges. Uh, but you remember, it was, it was a relatively forgettable season. Then he comes back in 09 with the Vikings and has a great run right up to the NFC title game when he throws the, the interception in New Orleans. 
Um, you know, where is Tom Brady in terms of his skill set? He's been in one offense, one team, running the same offense for 20 years. There's no precedent for that, nor is there a precedent for a quarterback to play at a very high level at age 43, as Tom Brady is going to be attempting to. So there's great unknowns there. I do think it's going to be a hell of a good show. That, that's the best thing I can say is between him and Gronk and Mike Evans and the other weapons that they've got there. Uh, Bruce Arians calling the shots, who's had a really fun offense to watch through the years. I think they're, I think they're going to be fascinating. That defense with Todd Bowles, you know they're going to be aggressive. You know they're going to blitz a lot. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting. They're in a tough division, too. I mean, the Saints are in that division. Those two head-to-head matchups, the Bucks and Tom Brady against the Saints and Drew Brees, I don't know how it's going to get better than that. And then speaking of Todd Bowles' defense, so last year we had Shaq Barrett come to Tampa Bay after spending some time in Denver. Not really – didn't really make that much of an impact in Denver. But he comes to Tampa Bay, puts on a show, 19-and-a-half sack, leads the league, gets a franchise tag. Who's the guy this year that you think has been slept on that's ready to just kind of just break out? Ooh, player who's been slept on. So you're asking all these questions that are like – they're reflective of yeah. the broader opinions. No, I'm not criticizing the questions <laughs> at all. I'm just saying like the – okay – who have I not thought yeah. about? Yeah. I'm trying to think. This is – man, you're, you're like completely testing me. Like ask me, ask me more COVID-19 questions. <laughs> I, got, I got answered the tip of my tongue on that. Opt-outs, what's positive about, tests, what, protocols. What's Fauci's middle name? <laughs> I, got, I got no idea. <laughs> that's, that's a good question, but I guarantee I can throw a better first pitch than him. Yeah. Um, Player's been slept on. I mean, I, I'm like going team by team again uh, in my head here. I mean, can I say Cam Newton? Sure. I think Cam Newton will be really interesting. I think yeah. that you look back at you know 2015 when he had the MVP season. Yeah. That's the the one year where for an entire season he really played at a high level, not just yeah. as a a, a dual threat yeah. and somebody to run you know run the, the designed run stuff that challenges the defense, but he was good as a pocket passer yeah. that year. He threw the ball really well from the pocket. What people understate and I think forget was at the start of the 2018 season before he had the shoulder injury, yeah. he was playing at a really high level then too with, with Norv Turner and Scott Turner yeah. uh, in Carolina. I think the Patriots, because Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are X's and O's geniuses, and they are never afraid to completely revamp things based on their personnel – uh, at minimum, you're going to have Cam Newton in certain packages that play to his strengths. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jared Stidham is still there as well. Yeah. He'll get an opportunity to compete. You know, the idea, though, that you're going to run the Tom Brady offense is just it, – it's far-fetched. That's not what they do. Go back and look at how they adjusted with Jimmy Garoppolo and even more so with Jacoby Brissett and how they won some games when Brady had the deflate gate suspension. They're going to play to Cam Newton's strengths. If Cam is all the way back, the shoulder in 2018, then the foot last year, those are two major injuries, okay? So there's no guarantees. He's got to be able, as a 255 or whatever he is, pound man, to be able to play with an injury to his throwing shoulder and a foot. Is he all the way back from those? Can he avoid further injury? Can he continue to have that same play style? Uh, and how do the Patriots decide to use him? I think that's going to be one of the great storylines is just a former NFL MVP who signs for like $550,000 guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, going to the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots with yep. those coaches with him, uh, even though they still have questions in terms of their perimeter weapons, the guys yeah, are Sanu, out. Yeah, Sanu, you have a, a second-round pick from Muhammad Sanu. So. That's, got, that's got to be one of the significant uh, pieces there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does. It really does. Yeah. Um, you know, but they always look at everything differently. They got uh, you know, Nikhil Harry coming back. 
after where, you know, injuries impacted yeah. him as a rookie. You know, hopefully from their perspective, he comes back and is an impact player for him. I just think, like, a guy that people are sleeping on, Cam Newton, just because he is yeah. so rare as a human being because of how big he is and how talented he is and the fact that we have seen him five years ago, yeah. we have seen him play better than anybody in the league, and yeah. even two years ago we saw him play at a high level. I think that's a guy who's going to be really interesting to watch. Do you think Belichick makes him call him rather than text? He goes, I got no idea what he's saying. I don't know who he's talking. Just call him. You mean with the, uh, the, the, the font? Yeah. He, he, Belichick has no idea. Bill, I think Bill plays dumb on a lot of different stuff, and right. he is smarter at everything than everybody. He plays. uses wingdings too. I don't. I don't know that he's on the Insta face <laughs> checking out Cam Newton's yeah. posts, but I, yeah. I would think that he can figure it out. Definitely, definitely. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you taking that chapter. So for people that aren't already following you on social media, how can they find you easily? I think I'm at Tom Pelissero on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure on Facebook there's some way to Google that and and find it. Yeah, just. You can Google it. Even if you, I'm not even going to spell it, just like come close. And yeah. it's probably me. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really, really busy, but this has been a lot of fun. I can't wait for NFL season to start back up because I can't watch any more Korean baseball. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> hey, there, there's Major League Baseball now. There's going to be NBA yeah. soon. But I, I'm with you. Yeah. The first week of the NFL season yeah. is always special. This year, probably more than ever. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I really wanted to thank you again. You got it, Zach. Absolutely.